our Abbey control was, you know, literally shooting a gun out the truck window at the hillside. It didn't slide, then it was safe to ride. So <laughs> I love it. Hey everybody, welcome to episode four of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. In this episode, Chad and I speak with Dean Whitehead of the Splitboard Shop out of Utah. As one of the pioneers of the industry, they've been supplying gear to fans of the sport for the last 20 years, or as they like to say, keeping it split since 2000. So sit back, grab a cold one of whatever it is you like to drink, listen in, and let's learn how it's evolved over the last two decades and where it's going next. Let's drop in with Dean Whitehead from Splitboard Shop. Uh, Dean, yeah, guys. Hey. It's a Thanks, pleasure to Sean, have you. Darren, it's actually a pleasure to have you. We connected through uh, our Instagram. We sw- you sent us out some stickers, and uh, that was so awesome. Appreciate those. We will be plastering them as many places as we can. So give us a little bit of background about you. What's going on in your world? Yeah. Appreciate that, guys. You know, the, the dark starts. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, thanks Chad and Darren. Um, you know, this is actually 20 years for us, uh, doing handle and split boards this year. Uh, we started in the year 2000. Um, little background, background on myself. Uh, I grew up in Montana. Um, nice. didn't start snowboarding until, uh, the early nineties, like 90, 91. And, um, what do you hold on let me cut what do you mean later on i started in 1988 i was 14 years old i got back into snowboarding in 1992 uh so you're right in the that's right when things were kind of progressing and getting better boards so yeah you're on track in my opinion <laughs> yeah you know it's it's and it, it was always rent, uh, borrowing somebody else's stuff at the time. Yeah. It was just hanging out with the rowdy crew, going to the mountain. And I never really, okay. like my family never skied, my family never skied or anything. So we never went to the mountain. So it was just me like getting involved with that crowd. Mm-hmm. I remember hanging with the guys on the hill and it was, uh, you know, they were, um, you know, much better than myself. And I, you know, you didn't want to look foolish. So it was all about going fast. And, you know, it was like, yeah. uh, just, failing to uh to stop so uh it was uh it was unique up on the mountain at the great divide and uh outside of helena <clears throat> yeah but uh anyway so i grew up in montana and uh started in early 90s graduated from high school in 95 and uh went to montana state in bozeman for a while uh, for two semesters to do some pottery it's going to be a, a ceramics major and um that didn't uh, pan out uh, like it should have, so I uh, uh, decided to get a degree in engineering. So I got it. We moved to Arizona and uh, went to the DeVry University and got a degree in electrical engineering and um, graduated from there in the year 2000 in um, February and uh, moved, took a job straight away in Oregon in Hillsboro working at Intel oh. um, for a company called ASML. And, uh, from there, it's just my passion with, I got a, you know, season pass at Mount Hood and I was right. uh, riding at Timberline and Mount Hood all the time. And this was back in the early days. And, right. uh, um, you know, I mean, I saw like the last of cutting the pipe by hand to moving to, you know, the actual pipe dragon. The dragon's world. Yeah. I remember uh, those days too, with the U ditch, they'd bring a blade down and then we'd get out there with our shovels and finish the rest of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, and so when I, I had, you know, like I had seen splitboarding when I was, um, going to call the university in, in Arizona and I had, you know, gone up to a snowball quite a bit outside of Flagstaff, um, skiing and I'd seen splitboarding from Belay, the kit. And, you know, I, you know, always wondered, you know, I thought it was a great idea because we would always hike the bowl up there at snowball and Flagstaff. Um, it's pretty high. It's, you know, 12,000 feet and, uh, carry your snowboard. Yeah. Anyways, um, when I moved to Oregon, I bought a do it yourself kit. Nice. And, uh, um, I did it at home. A bunch of us did it in the garage. And how did you feel you know, about cut that cut, board? You know, <laughs> right? you know, it was, well, 
it was, I'll tell you what, that's how the business was formed because, uh, you know, with a degree in engineering, I took one look at those directions and said, oh. how in the hell is somebody supposed to put this together by reading these directions? <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's impossible, you know? And so from there, it started a mail order splitboard assembly company. Um, and it was called M&T Technologies and uh, it was mountain and terrain technologies. And so we would do a lot of mail order boards. And this was well before there were factory boards. I mean, Volet was the only company in town, mm -hmm. maybe winter stick at the time. Um, but I mean, that was it. And, uh, you know, so do it yourself was popular. And I mean, for a while there, we were due, you know, peak season, we would do four. We would probably be cycling through four or five boards a week. Oh, um, hey, hey, Dean, when you say you know, we, for, can I for, ask you who, can I, sorry. Uh, I just wanted to ask, who's we? Uh, myself, pretty much. I always reference uh, <laughs> uh, others in the business, uh, but I guess I don't give myself enough credit. Um, All right, cool. I just yeah, wondered if you had a partner or something like that. You, well, my my wife is my wife has been business partners since we've been together. Of course, um, but you know, it's, um, everything is pretty much ran, you know, here by this guy that you're talking to. Nice. Sweet. But, um, now is this, yeah, full, so is this full time got, gig we, for you? We, we got the, yeah, I mean, it is. We got the kit. Uh, just let me finish. We got the kit in Volet. <laughs> uh, we put it together. It was a nightmare. Wow. Um, you know, we, we started giving feedback to Volet at the time and oh, they nice. loved our feedback. Nice. We had some actual, we yeah. had some actual, you know, uh, quality feedback to give because of an engineering background and as opposed to, you know, just whatever. And, um, cause you know, I mean, I've played that game before when I, for, when I first moved to Oregon, you know, I was getting a lot of stuff from Burton and from Solomon. And so they would send me stuff all the time from outerwear to boots to, you know, boards and bindings. And I would send great feedback and reviews and, you know, then they loved it, you know, and they always used to tell me, and I would always carry this with myself to even our shop writers, um, you know, when I ask for feedback, it's, you know, they would say, oh, I the feedback they would get would be, you know, oh, it was great. How did it ride? Well, it was awesome. Well, that doesn't tell me. <laughs> I need to know some, you know, or, yeah. or yeah. you know, please tell me about the boots. Um, they were super comfortable and the laces were easy. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate all, everything you said, but it's like, you know, I need more substance as opposed to the, you know, sizzle, the right. glamour of what you said. So. Right. But, um, yeah, and so uh, that kind of evolved into the mail order assembly. And then in 2007, we moved to Utah and uh, picked up here. More more factory boards were being made. Um, the the do-it-yourself side, side kind of, you know, fizzled out. And uh, our used inventory kind of, you know, started cycling up and, um, now we only do do-it-yourself for like, you know, small riders. Like, uh, we did a 138 for a really small woman and like pros will, occasional pro will send up the board, um, you know, to that they can't get, um, cut or they can't get as a split. So we'll cut their, you know, their favorite pow board right. in half or whatever. Or it's like somebody that lives in San Francisco has like their first, you know, snowboard that they ever had. They want to turn it into a split just so they can hang it on the wall. You know, we'll, we'll do that. we do that kind of stuff now. Nice. You know, so nice. that's the kind of stuff we do. I don't know if I could, um, I don't have the heart to cut one, one of my favorite boards in half just to see it on the wall. No. You know, I've got, yeah, a, yeah. I got enough of them. I got a dozen of them at home and I'm like, no, unless you're a split specific, you're not getting cut. I cut my cup. I cut my second snowboard right. in my life and I'll never do that again. So mm. we, we have a custom jig. We, mm. I built a custom jig for a table saw and it mm. cuts up true. Nice. So you only, you only lose the thickness between the board of your, you know, the curve thickness, the, the blade thickness essentially. So nice. Um, but anyways, yep. And so that evolved into, um, the split board shop. I changed names. It just seemed like natural evolution. Um, I started, I've had long relationship with, you know, all my vendors from Volet to G3, um, you know, and then, uh, Ordo Box and these companies in the beginning. And then, you know, I started carrying brands, um, you know, that nobody else had. And I figured that was the best way to separate myself from, 
you know, REI or Backcountry or whoever because right. I couldn't compete with their, you know, with their marketing budgets and everything that they, you know, could throw at it. And, and their bulk um, purchases. So like, exactly, just everything. And so I just, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to find great brands that I believe in, good products and that nobody else has and start carrying those. And so those relationships <clears throat> over the years um, evolved from just a standard wholesale to a distribution. And so, you know, now we're the North American distributor of, of Fell snowboards, Furberg um, snowboards, Amplid snowboards, West snowboards, and uh, SP bindings. Nice. You guys I, have heard of them. I've heard of West. West, I like. I like. I watch some of their stuff on Instagram. I like what they're doing. A lot of their solid boards are nice. Not, not, huh? not Weston. West. No, West. Yeah. Oh, well, it could be Weston then. I know Ferberg's got some really yeah. cool technology with their. Um, when you take a floorboard tech, yeah, yeah, that whole mm-hmm. like that make it. So when you split, I can't speak. When you put your board back together, there's a there's a literally a um, a seam. That you slip into so that way mm-hmm. the board feels more it's solid. It's a tongue and groove tongue and system. Groove. That's right. It, yeah, that's the best way to think of it. Like a flooring, it's right. exactly like a tongue and groove yeah. system. And, mm-hmm. They even have it's a stainless tool. steel edge that yeah. runs runs the inside of the edge um, just to the outside of the bindings. So yeah, um, like we that. used to back back in the day. We used to install a center hook, and even to this day, we still do it. You know, we still have customers that occasionally will want it done, but even on a we'll install it on a factory board. So we used to install, um, we'll install center yin yang hooks um, in the middle of your board to to uh, help help with basically what Furberg's doing. But yeah. Furberg is taking it to the next level. Yeah. So so Dean, in your history or your experience then with with split evolution, right from the day of no split boards to the DIY kits to now what's available in this technology from Furberg, and then your own adaptation by entering uh, adding that uh that center clip what uh what's the most stable connection that you find um you know it's all about the manufacturer at the end of the day i mean i still prefer volet's clips over anybody uh anybody else's clips just because you can rotate them out of the way and they're the most secure at the end of the day it comes down to the manufacturer's tolerances so the adjustable clips and all these things that other companies offer as options are only really needed because tolerances have become sloppier and, you know, you need them to adjust it from the factory, right? When I build a do-it-yourself board, the tolerance is so small that, you know what I mean? It's like I even, I mean, worst case scenario, I might have to shave some off of a clip just to get it to fit because it's so tight. The holes are so exact in, in where they're drilled. So, you know, um, it's, you know, binding systems, all that kind of stuff, you know, help hold it together. But I mean, let's face it, if you're a light guy or if you're always riding in powder, that movement that you have in between your, you know, your feet of the board isn't that big of a deal. No. Um, but it's, you know, but as far as a novelty and the price isn't any difference, it's a great technology and you'll start seeing it come out in other manufacturers as the years, you know, move on. Yeah, I believe so. Um, well. You know, We've all, you know, we're, we're always thinking, um, you know, I'm always doing stuff with my manufacturers and we're always thinking about the future. So yeah, um, lots of stuff in the pipe works. So I believe it. Well, you're, you're an interesting perspective being who you are mm-hmm. and what you have going on and then your engineering background. Yeah. That's huge. Your mindset's totally different. Yeah. You look at things in a way different. Entirely. A way different way. Yeah. It's wicked, dude. So you tell know, us, tell us, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! Go ahead, please. I was just going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about SP bindings. I'm not familiar with them at all, and mm-hmm. I'm just taking a peek at them here on your website. So throw us, throw us a lowdown on them. SP bindings, yeah, they're awesome. They've been around since 1987. What? <laughs> yeah, let let that soak in a little bit. Let, it already <laughs> did. Don't worry. That was a year before I. You know, it, it's it's funny. It's funny to say, I mean, because that's it was in the 19th century. We were all born in the 19th century. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell my kids that, yeah, I was born in the 19th century. They're like, Dad, you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, SP bindings, they, you know, they started um, 
with the hard boot craze, you know, mm. early, early days. Um, and they were hard boots. I mean, that's where they, their claim to fame was. And it was Snow Pro. So SP was Snow Pro by Snow Pro in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, okay. they're Austrian. Um, they make a great binding system. They make bindings for other companies in the industry. Um, we're just bringing, you know, we've been carrying them for a lot of years. Um, trying to get other shops, you know, that want to pick them up. They have a rear entry system. Yeah, I'm seeing that right um, now. Yeah. But it's, um, but it's, you know, it's much better than the flow system in the aspect that it still is, has standard, uh, ratchets mm-hmm. for your toes mm-hmm. and your ankles. Yeah, um, and, that, yeah. you know, as, as opposed to like the whole strap, right. the whole, um, yeah. the whole webbing lifting up, um, Snow or any sort of mechanism in the binding, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but these, um, so when you pop the high back down, there's a cam I see in that. the ankles, in the ankle part of the high back. And that cam, once it goes back a certain, beyond a certain degrees, it pops the, um, ankle strap open. And so you, you get like another three inches of movement to get your foot in. So you get your foot in, you lift the high back, you lock it, and then you push the ankle strap down and it locks. Yeah. And then, with that locking mechanism, you have the ability to unlock it on the lift. Mm-hmm. Cause some people like, like a really tight ratchet and they get that little bit of pressure. So you can just, you can hit the little orange lever on the side and pop the ankle strap open and then just close it without having to do anything. Um, another really cool feature about them is, um, their, their ratchets, uh, lock. Oh. So when you actually push the ratchets down, um, um, on the ladders, they actually lock down the buckles to you. Um, you know, cause you sometimes you'll, you'll be like slapping your board down on the ground or whatever. And, you know, the ratchets will, that they'll slide on the ladders or whatever. And, um, this is nice because if you always have the same boots and you always ride the same, you know, setup and everything, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you never have to mess with it. You just set whatever the tightness is and you lock the ratchets and everything. You know, you step in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And that's the, uh, that binding is actually, uh, LibTech or GNU. GNU does one exactly the same. I, I guarantee it's probably built by these guys by S by SP because it's it's identical. You said it exactly right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we we brand it for GNU. Yeah. And so we, we're actually the we're actually the North American parts provider. Nice. So anybody nice. that ha- anybody out there that has that binding, any of those GNU brands, and there's a couple other like mid to lower shelf brand bindings out there that SP makes that are throughout the U.S. Yeah. Um, we also have parts for them, but yeah, we have, we stock all parts for those GNU bindings. Yeah, I was looking at getting a set for my son and then Step-On has for kid. Burton has the Burton Step-Ons for kids. And I was like, what? well, that, that's, that's just it. It's like the Burton binding for kids is like 179 retail and ours is, you know, 109 yeah. retail. And you have, the, you have the rear entry and yeah. they never have to sit down to strap in. And that confidence is such oh, a builder. I know. For them. I'm always waiting for my little guy. It's like, come on, buddy. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just always yelling at my kids to stay standing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He sits down all the time. Like, come on, let's move forward here. Sitting down's in the 80s. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so cool. Um, yeah. yeah, man. That's wow. That's awesome. So that's great, man. So they, you know, and, and that's, that's tough. It's tough business for me because it's like, you know, one, I, I carry products that nobody else has to separate myself. But two, you know, you can have the best products in the world if nobody's heard of them in America. Yeah. Nobody yeah. Wants them. Well, that's, that's part of our, that's yeah. part of our American, you know, uh, mentality too. It's unfortunate, but yeah. I mean, you know, cause SP bindings is the de facto binding at, uh, you know, pretty much across Europe and Japan. It's like ahead of Burton or any other brand. So you see them everywhere, right? Gotcha. Um, hmm. so yeah. And their, their split board binding is great. You know, you get all the features of a rear entry. So like on a split board with rear entry binding, you know, you get super lazy and you can just drop the heels and oh, yeah. step out. Oh yeah. Trail. I can see that for sure. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've gone the flow way for my kids in the past, not myself. I've tried flow bindings, but, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I never had a set. Um, I bought a set for my kid. My one kid, uh, we bought them used, threw them on a board. Man, were they ever heavy. You know mm, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. felt like you know, that was a lot of weight, mm-hmm. that set of bindings. Yeah, they use a lot of nylon. 
lot of injected nylon and that, that ends up being really heavy. So SP, um, another part of their claim to fame is their, um, their base plate. So their base plate is a stamped out aluminum as opposed to milled out. So, you know, any, any Deadly. milled out product is, is yeah. any milled out product is going to be, uh, not as strong as something that's stamped out, right? Absolutely. So you're taking right. integrity I mean, out of that steel. That's just the unfortunate thing. I mean, you know, and that's like you take like, uh, you know, like Paracorn or Sparks where everything is milled out as opposed to like a Volet product where it's stamped. You know, you are going to get the stronger product there. So, yeah. So let's tell, give me a little bit of uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit more about your riding. How much, how often do you yeah. get out splitting? Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny that you say that. It's like, you know, again, this is our 20 years and, you know, we've, we've seen pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's been, I would say up until, you know, maybe five, six years ago, I was still using hard plate stuff, just your standard slider plate, do it yourself stuff, just because I was always so busy with everybody else's footboard stuff. And even when I go went out, it was like, you know, I it was never, I was never doing extreme stuff to where I was doing, you know, needed anything, any lighter or whatever. And my, my wife one day said to me, you know, you, you own and run the splitboard shop, but you ride all this, you know, old clunky stuff. Why don't you, you know, start upgrading and, you know, so, so as opposed to letting all my shop riders and giving out all demos of all the new stuff, it's like I started, I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. I, I might as well start writing some stuff. And yeah, it's um, time to take care of Dean, right? <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, you know, now I'm actually like this season, I rode an amplit milligram, um, 165. It's a fully carbon cool. uh, board from Austria. Nice. Um, one of the brands we carry. Yeah. It's, it was a great board. Um, super ship surfy, um, you know, lots of surface area it has great tail. Um, so, you know, you can, you can wash out a lot of that speed and I'm a bigger guy. So I'm, you know, six one two fifteen without any gear. And so, um, you know, I, I, I can handle a profile. I'll, I change the profile of a board quite a bit. So somebody that gets on a board and says it's way too stiff. For me, I'm like, wow, that was the perfect buttering board. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, yes, yeah, so I've been riding that a lot. Uh, SP bindings, um, you know, normally this season I didn't get out as much as, uh, would have liked due to the COVID. Yeah. Right. New, right new members. Did... Go ahead. New members of the family. Oh, yeah. Um, keep me inside. Yeah. The COVID got everybody down, but, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I would say I hit the resort a heck of a lot more than I got out on uh, the slipboard this season. Um, I gave out, I would do a lot more demos, did a lot more outdoor activity stuff for the business involved this season. Uh, missed on some of the traveling events like the uh, front range split fest put on by Weston in Silver Park. Missed the Silverton split fest this year. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, you know, that's usually what's my pack. I got, um, you know, I like the, uh, black, the, uh, uh, black diamond holes that Spark puts out. Um, those are really great. Is um, that a, uh, is that a three piece pole or a two piece pole? It, it is a three piece. Yeah. Sweet. Um, it has, a, it has a sliding section, uh, with a cam lock. So that cam lock patent ran out. And so now that's why you see it on, you know, even Walmart poles have that technology now. Um, it's the same thing that happened with the, with the Dynafit tech toe with their toe piece, their touring binding patent. They just didn't renew it or whatever happened. The case was, and so now everybody, right now, can, that was it. Yeah, exactly. So now everybody can make those and, um, but yeah, soft boots for me. I mean, I, I just use, you know, soft boots. I don't have any, um, any specific preference on needing a split boot or anything like that. I'm just old school. I just go out and sweat and hike up the hill and have a good time. Nice. Um, so you, uh, did you ever, have you ever tried the hard boot setup for backcountry or no, just always stuck with the, uh, the good old soft boot setup? Um, back in the day I did, um, and it would have been on Volet's. Um, hard boot binding on top of a slider plate and uh, the boots were, 
or, you know, I have a wider foot and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it just, I, I think I just had, you know, typical ski boots suck. Uh, from a snowboarder's perspective mentality. So, yeah, that's um, kind of always. I had. <sighs> Sorry, I go ahead. I hit it a long time, but no, yeah. I haven't tried it in a long time, but. Um. Yeah, that's kind of always been my stance. Like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a skier from back when I started at the age of three, which would have been mm-hmm. not wanting to age myself too much, but that would have been 1971. Uh, <laughs> skied till I was 20. Took a bit of a break, well, a big break, I guess. Uh, kind of was off snow until my oldest was born, which was in uh, Nelson, British Columbia, and uh, decided I was going to go and learn how to snowboard. So took a few runs and loved it, and decided never to put skis on again. Um, one of nice. the things I hated about skiing the most was the boots and how cold mm-hmm. your feet got. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen in snowboarding, but I've learned to deal with it. Plus, I like the flexibility of the boot. And if I want it to be stiff, I can get it stiff. And if I want it to be loose, I can make it loose, right? So when it comes to well, back... There... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, there's a place for it for sure. I mean, I have, you know, um, my shop rider uses it. My last season's shop rider. And, um, you know, he he's a hard boot through and through. But, you know, I mean, he's, you know, yo-yo lapping in a uh, little cottonwood, you know, probably four or five times, uh, you know, in the morning before he has to go to work. So nice for him, you know, everything is about efficiency and weight savings and yeah, just all around. And I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's like riding a bike, you know, it's like you can get a huffy mountain bike. It'll do the job. But, you know, once you really get into mountain biking, you step up to, you know, Cannondale or Specialized or something. And it's like, then you really can mm, notice yeah, no the differences. But. Yeah. So how does your day start? What do you, do? are you, you know, we've been talking to a few people now and they're telling us, you know, a lot of them look at the weather patterns for, you know, a couple of days out before they even think about going. You know, what are some of the standard procedures you take in account before you go out? Um, even before you even pack yeah. your bag, before you even think about going, are you watching the weather as it accumulates throughout the season? You know, what's kind of your... Uh, your eyes on the sky. Yeah, on being one. the engineer, do you get all tech like that? That's why I'm asking that. Or what? that's why I want to know. Like, where do you where do you source it out? What, <laughs> what websites do you go to? Like, give us some of those things we can you know refer that back. Yeah, so guests can have places to go look. Because it's always good to learn from yeah. different people. That's the whole idea of this podcast is to learn from everybody, right? For sure, you know, it, it, it's funny. Even being an engineer, it's like things like you know my taxes. I'm like, I don't want to touch them. Let somebody else do it. Even though it's like <laughs> fairly simple, it's like I can just take care of it. But so honestly, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I do rely a lot on um, other people's information. And um, I mean, just growing up in Montana, riding around when I did, I mean, you know, the Abbey stuff. Our Abbey control was, you know literally shooting a gun out the truck window at the hillside if it didn't slide then it was safe to ride so <laughs> i love it um you know i mean it's like you gotta I put that learn, on your t-shirts you know, man <laughs> i didn't learn you know proper technical avi skills until a lot lot later and um so you know even i don't i don't go around and poke around and, and analyze crystals with a you know, with a magnifying glass and things. And I, 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 I love the science and everything. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely rely on others. The good one is uh, the Ogden Avalanche Center. Um, they're real local here in the Ogden Valley. So uh, they're always out poking around every morning, giving feedback um, and rely on that. And then there's also the um, Utah Avalanche Center, which is, uh, you know, the, the heart of avalanche forecasting here in Utah. Um, so, you know, you, you, you follow that pretty heavily and they have your standard, you know, uh, national weather service websites and, uh, these kinds of things, right? From, you know, all those websites from both those places. Those are usually what I check. And then, of course, I can just, you know, step outside and look out the window. So, nice. um, you know, that's step, tough. Step that's outside tough. and look outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So, uh, so mentioning that, um, you know, I saw that you're based in Huntsville, Utah. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I didn't know where Huntsville, Utah was, so I had to take a look. Nice. And yeah, so map. we've got Powder Powder Mountain. It's right here. We've got Snow Basin, and we've got Nordic Valley. 
So we have three ski resorts within about 15 minutes of where I'm sitting. Okay, so that's that. That's pretty I'm wicked. Very All right. envious. Not, very envious. Not gonna uh, not gonna lie. That's pretty cool right there. But not only do you have the resorts. But you got all that backcountry terrain. I mean, even within a couple hours drive, right? Like I've worked, I mean, I've worked, you know, Chad and I were up here in Alberta, Canada. <clears throat> and then through my, uh, through my pack work, past work history, I've worked out of Rock Springs, Wyoming and down mm-hmm. to that Boulder, Pinedale area. And then done the drive up to Jackson to check that out. Um, yeah, you guys got some sweets around there, hey? So how, uh, what's your favorite backcountry terrain near you? It's a lifetime of lines. I mean, <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you look at. I like that line. It's good. It's, you don't even know, you don't even know what to say. It's just a lifetime of them. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's around here because of the, you know, the degree of elevation change, there's avalanches are more prone than in some other areas. We don't have a lot of foothills here. You know, it's, it's a lot like the Alps. It just, you just drive like it's flat to the bottom of the mountain and then it's straight up as opposed to, you know, flats and then, you know, going up a few 1500, 2000 feet to some foothills and then climbing a little more, right? So here we, we have in the, just this type of snow and we get a lot of lake effect snow from the Great Salt Lake. So, you know, it can be tough to manage around here, but again, a lifetime alliance. Um, now yeah, that lake, that lake effect just, stuff, it's I, amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And I'm blessed, just blessed for sure. Yeah. It's that lake effect. So I'm kind of curious about that because I grew up in lake effect snow country. Well, Chad and I both, <clears throat> we're both from Ontario, Canada, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, Lake Ontario, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all that good stuff. Um, you know, learning about snowpack and what's good and what's not great and what's more stable, learning more and more about how coastal snowpacks are nice and cozy a lot of times because of the moisture content in them. And they like to stick to the mountain a lot better Mm -hmm. than what we get around here where we are. Mm -hmm. So is that the same with your lake effect snow system? Is it, is it a lot more stable snowpack? I would say, well, I don't know what kind of water content you guys up there have up there, but I'm guessing, you know, 3% is probably high around here. Um, oh, so she's dry, yeah. You know, I mean, it's up in, I, you know, I remember because, you know, when we first started splitboarding in Oregon, it was riding out of bounds at Mount Hood Meadows. So we would take the cascade lift up and then we would just duck the rope and we would ride down and you know you could see timberline lodge on your right hand side when you were heading south you could see jefferson straight ahead of you and uh mount jefferson and the sisters but um we would ride all the way down that i forget the drainage down to the road and, and we would hitchhike back up but we only needed split boards to uh, traverse the nice. rivers and stuff but nice. the snow packs would get so thick that you know i mean you would worry about wet runoff slush you know runoffs oh, yeah. in the springtime right um but in the winter time you know it's like i i even all the years i lived there i never remember hearing about avalanches occasionally but i mean it was it was rare and that's just because of the density of the snow and then you know the amount of trees like here in utah we don't have a lot of giant pine trees and firs and all these different kind of trees that they have there in the pacific northwest and it's more, you know, aspens and scrub oaks and, you know, pine trees at a certain elevation. But, um, so yeah, you know, riding around here, at least what I did mostly this season was out of Ogden Valley here and up Ben Lomond. Um, Ben Lomond trail was super nice. Um, yeah, definitely. Those were, those were some of my favorite times this year. Head up there and build a campfire and hang out for a while. Shred down. Okay, so uh, cool. Since you brought it up, I'm going to ask you that question now. Um, in your experience backcountry, you know, um, part of what got Chad and I going on this is we were talking about Avi training and Avi gear and all that good stuff and and why it's important. So have you had, uh, do you have any stories? Do you have any experience with avalanches or, or any close calls or, or worse? Hopefully not. But, uh, you know, um, not with, uh, an actual breakage of an avalanches, but I've, I have dealt with, um, slough in dry conditions and almost, you know, it's, it's so dry. You feel like you're drowning 
where it's like bottomless and you know it's like you're, it, it, your slough management it's coming up behind you you're trying to trying to get away from it but it's so dry this would have been in montana i remember this a big sky um and uh yeah that was that was a scary experience for sure that wouldn't that would have been inbounds even um you oh, know okay. i've been pretty fortunate and lucky you know i don't maybe it's i don't tend to uh uh, gravitate toward the people that would get involved in those. I don't push myself that extreme. I mean, that's, you know, I love splitboarding and I love everything that's about and I love getting out, you know, socializing and everything that's involved with it. But, you know, I mean, it's, I leave it to the shop writers and the, the Jeremy Jones <laughs> and the Brian Aguchis to do, to do all the other stuff that I could live vicariously through. Right. You know what I mean? I got a yeah. long, I got five kids that I got, I need to live a long life. So. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Understandable entirely. So manageable terrain you know, is what you're after and just getting some goods and having some fun. Right. You know, yep. Yep. I, I, I do remember a story I'll give you guys. Um, I was actually riding at mountain meadows and, uh, I came off the lift and skied down, and it was it was a pretty steep run, but it was only maybe 200 feet uh, down. It was right off the lift. Um, but anyways, I get down a little bit, and I see a skier, and he's laying sideways on the hill and holding his leg. And I get down there and ask him if he's okay, and he uh, you know, he said no, he wasn't. He was he was foreign, so I you know I was uh, his English was broken, and I'm like oh, okay okay, and so I stop and unstrap and. Um, you know, I always carried a first aid kit and everything with me and still do. And, um, all right. It's like, okay, well, show me what's going on. And I mean, this would have been, this was probably 2002, 2001, maybe. Um, and so we, uh, I asked him to show me what's going on and he moved his hand and he had a huge flesh wound across his leg. Ooh. And I mean, I could see, you know, all the way, you know, down to his bone and everything. It was awful. And, oh. um, it wasn't bleeding a lot, so I was really thankful. And you know, we start getting out the first aid kit and put some pressure on there. And uh, by this time, uh, my my friend I was riding with had come down, and so had this guy's son. And so you know, start you know directing people, and you know, tell my tell the guy's son to take his skis and walk up the hill a little bit and put them in an X on the hill. Uh, cause it's right up off this knob. Um, and you know, people can just roll right off and crash into us. And so like the, the kid walks up there and puts his uh, skis, um, in an X, but he lays them down on the, on the slope. Oh no. <laughs> and so my buddy, you know, he walks up there and he grabs the skis and picks them up and he goes to like, you know, stab them in the snow in an X and, uh, he slices his hand open. <laughs> on on the ski this kid's ski no. I'm like okay great and so um you know here we are trying to deal with him and by this time you know another saw another person had come down and we had asked them to go get ski patrol and anyway short story long um come to find out that uh those skis were rentals from the ski shop and they were like must they were razor sharp man and so that 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 skier the, the guy's son had gone down the slope and his ski had went up over his boot and it had sliced his leg. Um, and then, yeah, and that's oh. why my buddy cut his hands on the damn shark skis because they were razor sharp. So, <laughs> so yeah, I've had a few of those, you know, a couple, you know, occasional concussion, but, you know, usually in the backcountry, it's pretty safe, pretty mellow. I try to make sure I go home. Don't push it too much. Yeah, no, that's cool. All right. So, uh, so uh, you know, I'm kind of the geek when it comes to the backpack and what's in your backpack and uh, what you like to carry. And it's kind of a, th a theme that we've been asking everybody. So what, uh, when you break out for the day, Dean, what is yeah. in your backpack? Now, you already mentioned first aid kit. And uh, mm -hmm. we've come to experience it. Not everybody likes to carry one of those. I am one of those guys. I love to carry a first aid kit. I'm I do a lot. Of, I'm, convert, I'm converting. It is small. It can get big. It's real easy to get <laughs> it big. I mean, I I do a lot of dirt biking in the summer, and I like to carry the mm -hmm. same first aid kit goes from my backcountry pack from the winter and into my dirt bike pack for the summer, and the same bone nice. saw and all that good stuff, right? So, mm -hmm. what uh, what else goes in your pack? What do you like to eat? How do you like to carry your water? Is it a bladder? Is it a bottle? Et cetera, et cetera. Nice. Yeah. You know, I um. 
got some Ortovox um, Abby packs airbags this year, and they're super sweet. So I've been checking those out, and there's a great pocket in those for my water bladder. Um, those are really nice. I've been doing those. I had, before that, I had some Ospreys, um, super durable but way heavy. Um, I mean, every feature you could think of, but that that adds a lot of weight too. Um, not that I'm a gram weenie by any means. I mean, I, you know, I'll carry the kitchen sink, hence the, you know, first aid kit. But, <laughs> I'm the same guy. Um, yeah. So, but no, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I usually carry a bladder, you know, it's, it's usually full cause I, I like to suck a lot of water. There's nothing wrong with carrying water. I don't have any issues with that. Um, you know, I, one of my favorites I picked up this year was a, um, it's like a fire starting, uh, paste and i got it on amazon i forget the name of it but, did you say a um, paste yeah it's not like like a paste like toothpaste it <laughs> came in like a like a skull can i mean i did say paste you <laughs> you were correct but uh <laughs> i don't want to admit yeah it's like it came in like a skull can container and it's almost like dryer lint with wax and oh, like yes. mag- mag- magnesium in it yes 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 and, and uh man that stuff was a dream to start a fire on snow Nice. Um, so that was a new addition to my pack this year. Um, but yeah, typically it's, you know, and then along with the first aid kit, it's a few repair things, you know, like a, you know, a little sleeve for a pole, some duct tape, you know, maybe a, a some zip ties, you know, just a couple, Ooh, yeah. um, along with some bolle straps, um, nice. you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's and great. And then what about yeah, food? food what about food? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Food for sure. You know, I'm a, I'm a, um, you know, like we packed, we packed pizza sometimes. Um, (laughs) you know, we packed beers. So we're no, you know, we're no, we're no stranger to carrying what we want. But, um, on, you know, on any sort of lengthy days for me, it's, you know, it's snacks all the way because it's, then I can, it's light, it's compact. I can stick it in multiple pockets. I don't have to dig around for what I want. Um, the garbage is easy to deal with. So. It's usually like, you know, granola bars and, um, you know, gummy bears. And um, this cut, that's probably because I have a two year old around the house. Right. Now that I think about it. Right. Yeah. The uh, easily the access Welch's, in the, tr- yeah. The Welch's just... fruit snacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So it's mostly just calories, sugar calories to keep my, to keep the fuel tank fired up. 10 4. It's funny. I, uh, I did my AVI course a couple of years ago and being the old guy, um, I was one of two split boards in a class of eight and everybody else was skiers. Um, so anyways, you know, I'm the 50 year old dude and I'm out there taking the course and the, the instructor says, Hey, I need somebody to take up the back and carry a radio. And I'm like, Hey, I'm your huckleberry, man. I'm always that guy, you know, like I'm not the fastest up the hill. I'm the slowest every time I'll get there. You might be waiting for me for about five or 10 minutes, but I will get there. Don't worry about it. So we well, started, you up. know, go ahead, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just, uh, go ahead. No. So, you know, we started up the hill and we're switchback and, and, uh, there's this young dude in front of me and he's 20 something. I don't know. He's hardcore. Uh, everybody was right. Everybody was charging up to show the guide how good and strong they were. Uh, let them go. They're all like two, three switchbacks ahead of me. So we uh-huh. do our first stop and we dig our pits and we, we have our tea and our snacks or whatever anybody has. And then we start breaking out for the second leg of the tour. And uh 20-year-old buddy's just dragging ass in front of me. Just uh-huh. hurting, having the hardest time getting up the hill. And I'm thinking, dang, I'm usually the old guy who's at the back. <laughs> now I'm waiting for this right. guy. Yeah, so, yeah. I remember uh, this moment well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I thought, hey, bud. I got some gummies in my pack. How'd you like a few of those? Right. A little sugar burst maybe to get you going, right? And uh, perfect. Yeah. Pulled him out of the pocket, threw him in his hand, and that gave him a little charge for a bit, but uh, just for a bit only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I, you know, I remember it's like go ride with, you know, skiers and they're just, they're like schemo guys and they'll get to the top of the hill and that, you know, I mean, they know the exact amount of steps and they're counting them down in their head. And it's like they're ripping their skin off as they're cresting the top of the hill. Right. I mean, it's like literally there's stuff and then they're just flopping over the other side and they're just stuffing the skin in their jacket as they're already going down. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, you know, Man, I, 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 
I invented splitboard wax just so I could stop at the top of the hill and, and breathe and rub it into my base, you know. Now, I it's, love that. I love. I was reading that on your website, and I was just like, I'm like, splitboard, what is splitboard wax, you know? Like, I know what yeah. wax is, and I know what rub-on is, and then I saw splitboard wax. Now, a couple things about that. I love your description. I love that. Number one, it's the size of a can of chew. So it's small mm. and it fits in your pack, fits in your pocket, fits okay. even in your sleeve pocket, right? Um, I love how you're like, yeah, just take a chill, sit down, cool off, rub some wax in. If nothing else, get it on the edges because they do dry out, which is the truth, right? Mm. I thought that was pretty sweet. It's true. Nice little tag. Well, thanks. Yeah, man, we, we, we worked with uh, One Ball J on that back in the day. We've had that around for a long time. Ooh, killer. All right. Yeah, Rob, yeah. I used to work for Coup Sport out of Canada here for many years. And uh, we got the Brub on wax. I used to use it for guys who were in the pipe so they could get one one run, just rocking it fast, rub it in and get it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I never thought about putting it on. Because I'm a super nerd tech when it comes to waxes. I always have been since I've worked for Coup. So see, you know, see, I do- seeing a rub on, I'm like, ah. But then, you know, when you put it in that perspective... Because, you know, you pull that skin off, that that glue does. I have always said that. Is that glue's got to do something to your wax. And I think definitely putting a bit on the edges and rubbing that in just to go down again. Because I know, I know exactly when the wax is, 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 is getting, you know, it's, it's oh, gone. Yeah, it's sure. gone. Like, I'm just a big nerd. I know how fast the board goes. It's like, oh, I'm all about that. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like that concept. I've, I've, you've turned. When I first read it this, this evening, I was like, ah. Darren's like, read it all. And I was like, okay, I'll read it all. (laughs) Well, well, you know, there's no denying that, uh, you know, it's only a a one use, maybe one and a half use uh, type of situation, but that's what it is. right? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah, it does make a difference. There's no question. There's no question. And you know what, Dean, I'm that guy who, uh, I've got some long distance backpacking experience and I've learned, I I learned the hard way. That if your pack is bigger, and if it's got the room, you're going to fill it. And then oh, yeah, it adds sure. weight to your pack, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I did a big long distance hike in my 20s, and and I think uh-huh. I almost destroyed my knees for the rest of my life as a result of carrying too uh-huh. big a pack, right? And and learned to deal with the smaller pack. Uh, we were, uh-huh. I know you mentioned the word green, gram weenie earlier before. So, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, when I did uh-huh. my long distance hike, it was, uh, the, the term was every ounce counts, right? So guys were cutting mm-hmm. their toothbrushes in half and drilling holes in what was left of the handle, et cetera, et cetera, right? To try and lose as much exactly. weight as they could. When it comes to that backcountry pack, currently I'm, I'm carrying a 30 liter pack. I find, uh, I could definitely use a little more space, but I'm kind of glad I don't. It makes me a little more selective about what goes in the pack. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. one of those guys who I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it type of thing. I've been mm-hmm. looking hard at the airbag packs because after, especially after I took my Abbey one course where my confidence level was super high before the course, took mm-hmm. the course, learned a lot about Abbey danger and what can happen. And 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 what's what and then my confidence level kind of just basement uh or hit the basement for a while there and so i thought man you know it'd be nice to have that airbag in case i ever mm-hmm. needed it right so you, you said you've been playing with the is it the order box ones it is yeah yeah so how are you are you carrying one how do you like it does it uh does it cause you to lose any space in the pack et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, um, you know, actually, Autovox's system is compressed air, so um, it's a canister you can refill. It's, you know, you got to get it to, like, 3,100 PSI, so, you know, don't think you can use your air compressor. Hmm. Um, I bought a... So you I bought a, a scuba pump. shop or something in town? Or? It, exactly, you could do that. I ended up getting a hand pump from Amazon. It's like, you know, to pump up your uh, airsoft rifle or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, it works, you know, it gets you a good workout, but, um, it, it takes up a pretty, it's pretty much small amount of space. I think the specs were like 680 grams or something. So, um, for everything. So that's pretty nice. Um, 
you know, and, and when they classify a 30 liter, it's 30 liters of usable space, you know, uh, not including the uh, airbag. So, um, so obviously you haven't ever had to deploy it yet? Um, no. Had to deploy it? Have you done it just for fun, mm-hmm. just to see how it activates mm-hmm. and how it works and, you know, kind oh, of practice sure. with yeah, it? Yeah, I did. Yep, yep. And, you know, I mean, it's nice because there's different uh, lengths of uh, grab handles, so you can have the grab handle longer. So if you, you know, like I have longer, longer arms, you can put it up higher. Um, I've deployed it and then you got to pump it up. I, uh, there's a seal you have to put in. So it's like a brass crimp washer and you just, you, you replace that. And then so when you pull the handle, there's like a needle and it just pierces that brass washer. Oh, so it's like um, a burst disc. You're just popping a burst exactly, disc. Everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, you have to reset it. There's a tool it comes with. You have to reset the, the needle, the plunger essentially push it back up. And one time I deployed it because I twisted the cannon and I forgot to reset that plunger. And as soon as it pierced <laughs> oh, it, yeah. I twisted it and it went boosh all over the living room. <laughs> That's awesome. So now looking at what's out there for airbag packs, I mean, you know, we've seen all the different animals, right? So you got the ones that are like mm-hmm. the order box, right? And I guess that's the yeah. bottle with the little gauge on the top too, right? So it's got that. Yeah, that's just your pressure. It's just yep. your pressure gauge. Exactly. Yep. Right. So, uh, and then you have the other brands that use the CO2 with the argon gas, uh, argon, yep. argon being the, Argon being the heavier gas, right? So it, it uh, mm-hmm. is a little warmer gas, right? So I guess it, it aids in the inflation of the, the bag, I'm guessing. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the systems that are battery packed with computer boards, and and then they just mm-hmm. turn on a fan and fill the bag that way. Um, what's your opinion, being an engineer? What would you rather be out with? Oh, well, I guess you've chosen <laughs> and, the one you want. And all bias aside, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just for as an ultimate safety tool probably would choose the uh the ortovox system that i have um and you know not just saying that because we carry it although you know um, i do only carry products i you know <laughs> believe in but sure of course um you know it's it, it's mechanical and that at the end of the day i appreciate that you know it's like uh um i've seen and i've um, rode with colleagues that have like the black diamond system i forget what's um, airbag system that is um, it's used across I think Mammut uses that system as well and then there's a BCA that has the other brand that's used um, and those are all some some form of you know more mechanical items and uh, you know that Ortovox system and that's not the, the system isn't specific to Ortovox I forget the uh, the actual airbag name um, the system itself, but yeah, mechanical all the way, guys, for sure. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. I agree. I don't like to be, I mean, I'm an electrical engineer. I've designed yeah. that stuff. And nowadays the kids coming out of college, they don't know what's going on. I'm telling you what. <laughs> I, I believe, I know. I, I agree with that. And we've talked about that as well. Just as like off air, just as a chat, like which one would you prefer? And, you know, thinking on it, uh-huh. it's like, I don't know if I trust batteries in the backcountry. Considering where we are, you know, it's it's kind of cold. You're in the, you know, it's not always a warm day. You know, batteries mm-hmm. freeze. The, the more move, it's like it's like cars nowadays. And the more moving parts, the more stuff's gonna break. So, you know, the, this, you know, exactly. with, with the canister, you're you're a lot more safe. And you're, it's all about timing, right? You need, it's all about seconds, and it's not minutes, it's seconds, right? What about your mm-hmm. avi? Like, what what kind of um, beacon do you carry? Obviously, you're not a box probably as well. But what's your, how often do you um, train with it, do some testing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. what's some of the things you do when you go out? Do you guys uh, have a bit of a, uh, a hide, hide and seek? Do you have a beacon park? Yeah. You said you had three resorts 15 minutes from your house. I bet they all have beacon parks or at least one or of do them they? does, yeah, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Um, two of them do. Yeah. You know, and we're the, we're the, the silly guys over there um, practicing for sure. Nice. Um, you know, we uh, definitely try to practice. You know, I, I don't get my kids into it as much as I should, um, you know, but we've just been so busy with the business year this year. I mean, I've probably held more beacon classes on the mountain than, you know, I've done my own particular 
oh, sweet. Uh, practices. So. Well, no, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so we, we, educating others. Is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned kids. I, I want to segue into that real quick. Being a dad who's got four kids, Indeed. and all four of my kids ride. By the way, um, I started. Nice. I started them all skiing, which because dad learned how to ski first. And I think you know, I think fundamentals are important. Now Chad will disagree, but I think there's some yeah. fundamentals that are important. Not that, happening. That kids. <laughs> <laughs> Kids need to to learn to slide on snow a little bit and 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 learn what an edge mm-hmm. does and how it works. Um, but you know, I had uh, I had a set of one ten skis, one pair of boots, and I had a ninety five cm board. Um, so and all my kids went through both of those setups. Basically, is what happened. So I gave them skis, taught them pizza nice. wedge, and all that good stuff. And then gave him a board and said, "Here, try this. Now, what do you like?" Now, of course, Dad was snowboarding <laughs> the whole time, so biases were there for sure so they did um, skiing then sorry say again so they did skiing then is what you're trying to tell me dad was snowboarding <laughs> the whole time. yeah right it's usually how uh, you know is. my oldest held out the longest i gotta say he he was oh, the, right he off. was the it's last funny. one to jump on a board but uh but now being the computer geek D head that he is he still gets out on a board and he shreds and leaves dad in his dust every time um Nice. Yeah, all my kids ride. Uh, my oldest daughter, so I have three daughters. Uh, my oldest daughter's eighteen. Um, she got into the competitive world for a little bit, not not in super high level, but uh, the one thing she hasn't done yet that she has expressed some interest in is splitboarding. Um, so we just mm-hmm. haven't gotten there yet. And of course, she's you know she's an adult woman size now, so finding gear for her is pretty easy. But you said uh, you or you made a mention earlier that you've done you still have cut down some boards for pros and and whatnot mm-hmm. in the past and for littler people. Have you ever done any setups just for kids? Has anybody ever come to you and said, you know, I want this setup for my ten year old kid? Um. Yeah. Uh. And yeah. And it was actually surprisingly a bigger board than you know you would expect for um, you know eleven or twelve year old at the time, but. Um, he was a taller, taller kid, but yeah, honestly, um, it's, you know, these smaller boards are usually women's boards. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, kids, like kids specific that tour, you know, it's like those kids, even with my kids, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you might have to put them on skis or they just have to wait. <laughs> um, because it's just, there's a, you know, there's, you, you can't fit all the hardware in between the bindings. You can't get the balance points right. You Great can't point. get. You can't get it. everything to work correctly right. on such a small board. Um, yeah. So, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, that's a market area, I think, how, you know, how how much somebody would want to spend into developing split specific kids, kids, yeah. kids specific split board bindings and whatnot. I don't know. But yeah, yeah I, wonder, I wonder. I mean, I understand. Yeah. Your, I understand what you're thinking. Like there is maybe potentially a market opportunity there. But I think mm-hmm. I think. You know, being the dad at the same time that I asked that question and I'm sitting back and listening to your answer, I'm thinking, do I really want to take my kid out into that environment right yeah, now? Even, like, first of all, yeah. does my kid have the chops to ride in that? Secondly, yeah. do I want to put you know, them in that? Even exactly. riding POW, even my son riding POW, where we take him out, he'll like, you know, he'll whine and cry because it's not, he doesn't understand to keep your momentum going. He'll want to carve and well, slow exactly. down. And, you know, it happened you know, this winter. Darren and I went riding with my son at this local place here called Powder King. And uh-huh. I'm just ripping along. He can follow in the hard pack. He's right there. You know, he's back a little bit. And then I cut across. <laughs> I cut across some kind of flat terrain. Chad uh, got himself in some deep shit. I got out because I know how to get out. My son fell over. Uh-huh. We waited, waited, waited. He comes down and he's in tears. He's pissed off. He's like, you ditched me. I'm like, no, you right. just didn't follow. <laughs> he didn't follow the line. Right. And yeah, that's another thing, right? Uh, Splitboarding is not going to be, it's not going to be a resort. It's not going to be always exactly like you, that pitch is not going to be there. And I think there was definitely a learning curve for, for kids to get that under their feet as well. It's true, you know, and I mean, like all, you know, at, at, with those, that transition age where they don't really have a splitboard, it's like, you know, they're going to have you snowshoeing like we did in the beginning. You know, you're just going to have to carry your solid and snowshoe up or post hole up or whatever the case it is. I mean, because ultimately, you know, and then, you know, you just find some, you know, low angle stuff, 25, 30 degree stuff, you know, and you can yo-yo, you know, four or five, 600 vert with kids. And, um, 
build their confidence. And, but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, if she can ride a women's size board and they have a women's split and you found one at a price that you can handle, then I would say pull the trigger. But in general, it's like, why, you know, it's, it's like with any of those sports, it's like, why waste spend the money if they're not going to be completely into it yeah, at this point? Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, we'll borrow before we buy. That's for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And make sure she likes it because listen, or, and she, she's a, she's a shredder, man. She yeah, is she hardcore. Is. There's and that she, or we, she, she can take advantage of our split fest. Cause I know we want to work on that. We have some people come out and demo some stuff. That's cool. There yeah. <laughs> so what's your involvement in these, uh, these split fest you talk about? These two, these well, there's two of them you missed out this year. So how many do you get involved in, and what's your involvement as a company or just as mm-hmm. as a dean? What what's your involvement? Yeah, you know, um, with the split fest, you know, we 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 try to be big supporters of raffles as much as we can. I mean, we don't have giant marketing budgets like these big companies. Um, even though you know we 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 carry um, all these exclusive brands, um, which you know it, when when I I do go to festivals like, say, uh, WWSRA. Well, you guys are probably not familiar with that. Like, uh, no. like an SIA, SIA or, uh, uh, you know, like an on snow demo type of event with a bunch of tents. Um, when I go to those events, they usually the, uh, people that are running those have a hard time placing me because it's like I show up as the splitboard shop, but inside of the splitboard shop is five other brands. Right. Um, as of, so, it, you know, you would think, well, there should be five tents set up, you know, a fell tent, a Ferberg tent, an Amplitude tent, whatever the case is. So it's kind of a new model and a new mentality. And it's kind of a fresh, fresh breath, I think, breathing into the industry. And, um, you know, I, I'm able to, because of my relationships with my uh, manufacturers, I'm able to um, develop my own policies and terms when it, when it relates to um, shops and, you know, how they would buy goods and these kind of of things um because uh, i don't have to cater to any sort of european or um, any sort of mothership type of uh, policies i can develop my own so and i you know two things I, I do that because of my relationship with my customers but also secondly it's because i didn't i it's new to me that just seems like how i would have done it um meaning i don't have previous sales experience other than, you know, just selling stuff and meeting stuff online. I mean, my background is engineering. So when I jumped into the world of having to go to, you know, go have a meeting with the members of backcountry.com and try to sell them, you know, five of my brands, you know, that all of that is new to me, right? Right. So when I go there, when I go there and meet with those people, you know, typically they say it's a breath of fresh air for them to have, you know, uh, new ideas and new ways of doing things because this whole um, retail, wholesale distribution model that is in, that I'm aware, the experience with in the ski industry is stale. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, so they, you know, so it's nice. So I can cater, to, you know, my policies can cater differently to the giant shops as opposed to the mom and pop shop. And, um, um, you know, it's, we, uh, what, what, what were we talking about? I love it. You want to run totally it's, it's all good. Dude. No, it's, 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 it's split Sorry, fast. I'm scared. So, it's split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah my bad. I saw I'm staring at the neighbor out there. The dog is like staring right, right back at me. Anyway, um, <laughs> the creepy looking Cujo. Totally hey, so, Sorry, guys. That's all right. No, 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 no let me. That's yeah, a, so, that's so that's anyway, so we're always we're always involved, and we always go to the events. These past few seasons, we've really picked up a lot because um, I spent almost 20 years with ASML. The company that I, the engineering company I worked with, yeah, I, I took, I stayed with the same company that I took out of college for almost twenty years, um, and when I quit two years, I quit two years ago when Winter was born, my two-year-old, and I did to be a stay-at-home dad and focus more on the business, and so these past few years have been just overdrive as far as events have been concerned, and so. It's like, you know, we're, you know, we're knocking on Powder Mountain's door saying, hey, do you mind if we uh, pitch up in the parking lot today? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're really cool mm-hmm. about it. So it's usually OK. Nice. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're here to support wherever we can. I mean, we're always we're always doing fundraisers for the uh, nonprofit, you know, avalanche uh, associations. Sweet. Um, so, you do, know, and so in, do you have a brick and mortar shop? We don't. Uh-huh. No, OK. We don't. All right. All right. Yeah. 
Yep. You know, it's, I, I, it's interesting. I mean, obviously nowadays brick and mortar shops are even closing more, but just with the change in, I mean, being, you know, in my early forties, it's like just with the change in culture, um, people didn't really find an interest in going into shops anymore. Like, like the skate shop, going into the skate shop and hanging out and reading trasher magazines and whatever. Yeah. That's um, what I did know, all the time. Transworld and yeah. Exactly. Reading Transworld and hanging out is just our, our long gone. And Absolutely. But, Chad um, says that's what he did all the time. That's how I met Chad. The first time I met him, he was hanging out. Nice. Shop. <laughs> I still did it in my 40s. So don't even, don't, don't diss it, man. That's how you get discounts. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, and, yeah, dude. And, 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 I'll, and I'll put that plug out there now. I mean, we're always about, you know, offering um, help where we can. And we always have hidden codes, combination codes and stuff. Back to the brick and mortar thing real quick. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we were trying to figure out um, you know, how, 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 how we can do a brick and mortar. And I mean, unless you're, you know, a Milo sport or something right. like that, it's like your building, your, your building's already paid for, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, unless you got into something like that, you know, there's really no way that makes it profitable, especially no. with a niche seasonal sport such as myself. Right. Um, to, 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 to even, to even justify having a storefront, but, you got um, you know, we always or... thought, yeah, yeah, for sure. Everything, you know, everything you see online is in stock in the Valley. Like, like if people are local and they want to, you know, come talk shop or, you know, touch something, it's like, yeah, we just, it's just by appointment, you know, we can meet up in the Valley and check yeah. stuff out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's not much, um, I think we've covered quite a bit of the conversation here. This has been fantastic. I know we want to work a little bit more with you with other things offline and, um, yeah, awesome. I'll promote you guys out and meet, meet up with you, get some riding in with you. Like that's the whole premise of this is to meet people and go riding. I know once the COVID stuff's off and the winter comes on again, I'm hoping to get out and do a lot more face to face interviewing, uh, on the skin track is something that we're probably going to be talking about more. Oh, wow. Um, love it. Yeah. yeah talking. That's great. Yeah talking on the skin track so well here we're gonna wrap this up thank you so much uh dean for all your time and uh you know plug where where, pe- where people can find you online uh your socials your website give us that we'll put it again in the show notes so everybody can find you and uh yeah we'll go from there awesome guys uh yeah thanks chad darren uh at dark starts for having me on um yeah this is dean with the splitboard shop you can find us at the splitboard shop that's for all everything twitter instagrams Facebooks and the website, the Splitboard Shop. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody! Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to Dean for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Dean through our show notes. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at DarkStartsBC to find out when the next episodes are dropping and to share your awesome pictures and videos within the community. You won't want to miss our next episode, where we talk with Valerie Black, the artist behind the Dark Starch logo. I want to give a special thanks to Scott Martin of Groundswell Marketing Podcast, Ivan of Radar One Podcast, and Pat Cournoyer for helping us make this all happen.